Hello. Thank you for tuning in to The MedVets. My brother and I created this platform to spread the power of optimism and education with simple conversation. Our only goal is to inspire healthier communities by connecting people and stories. Thanks for listening. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Sean, I just want to thank you for joining the MedVets podcast today. So we have Sean Martin from Oscar Health. Would you do us like a brief, uh, just intro, kind of your background, how you got to Oscar, and what exactly is it that you do with Oscar? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, you know, start off by just thanking you for, for the opportunity to, to participate today. And I'll go a little bit into my background as well as maybe give a little bit of background on Oscar. Imagine it's it's not a household name for, for many folks listening. So bear with me while I while I, I go about it for a few minutes here. Um, oh, yeah. So I am a senior medical director with with Oscar Health. Started out actually as a, a general internist and have spent some time over the last decade or so in you know, various various aspects of, of the healthcare industry, uh, including some time in, in clinical practice uh, as a primary care physician, and then transitioned over to developing um, digital health solutions startup companies um, for, for several years, and, and now most recently um, joined the managed care side of things with Oscar over the last four plus years. I, I currently oversee Oscar's uh, regional medical director organization across the, uh, the country, which includes our clinical performance in our exchange, our small group, uh, and our Medicare Advantage plans. And I also um, oversee our behavioral health vertical. So, you know, as I mentioned, just a little bit of a quick background on, on Oscar for those who, who might not be as familiar. We, we are a health insurance company. Um, we are headquartered in uh, New York, and we currently manage uh, about 425,000 lives across 15 states. And, and yeah, as I mentioned before, we do sell products in the individual small group and Medicare Advantage markets. And we've been in Texas specifically since about 2016 and are currently um, in the individual market in, in Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, and El Paso, and also sell individual and Medicare Advantage products in Houston. And we have about 100,000 uh, members now here in, in the state of Texas. So very, very excited about that. Oscar as an insurer is still relatively new. We were started about eight years ago when our founders both experienced you know, firsthand some of the complexities that can happen when navigating our healthcare system. One of them had an injury and the other was uh, about to have his first baby. And they both, interestingly enough, uh, came to the same conclusion independently that there was just a real opportunity to better leverage data and technology to create a, a simpler and more affordable healthcare experience for consumers. And so that's what we aim to do uh, in a variety of ways every day. And I think in engagement is, is really primary among those and it's a major focus of ours. So I'm uh, very excited to be able to have this discussion with you today. I think we were introduced to you guys almost about two years ago when we came to your office. I was very impressed with what you guys are doing and there really wasn't a new insurance carrier introduced to the market for like what, 22 years prior to Oscar? There are so many barriers 
to getting into the health and insurance uh, industry capital, not being you know the least of them, right? You have to have large capital reserves to be able to insure membership. And and so, yeah, there were some markets that we entered where it, it had literally been decades since a, a, a new health insurance company had, had entered the landscape. And so we're excited to, to be able to, to do this and bring a little bit of a new experience to our members uh, in, in various parts of the country. Thank you for being part of our, of our program. And again, it's something different that we're doing because like the founders, our audience and even myself are looking for something different, looking at different ways to approach healthcare. And for me personally, is with these podcasts that we're doing and I'm learning so much more about the landscape of healthcare. And there's so many variables in it, whether you're dealing with an insurance company, dealing with the hospital, the doctor, ancillary providers, there are so many variables that are associated with one individual patient care. And so healthcare is one of those, those topics that is not really a conversation piece, but it tends to be a topic for almost everybody, either directly or for caring for a family member. So healthcare is very crucial to our daily lives. Of course, of course, with that being said. Hey, Sean, so I have a question for you, right? So being a new healthcare insurer provider, how would you say it's been getting traction, right? Because when I discovered Oscar, it was ultimately because you guys are doing something new and you're, you're really tapping it into that digital realm. So how has the traction been as far as getting new patients slash customers? I, I think it's gone very well. We, this last year, I think grew by about 1.5x from, I think, roughly 260,000 members to now over over 400,000. I think there's a, a real appetite. I think what it shows is there's a real appetite for something a little bit different. The, the pain points in, in health insurance are, are not new. Uh, if you look at mm-hmm. NPS scores, the, the, the exchange markets and, and they're routinely negative, right? You know, as a class, the, the apples of the world, you know, run in the 70s and 80s and health insurance is often negative. Someone new to, to come in, offer something that uh, approaches it a little bit differently, a little more technology centric, tries to offer a little more personalized experience, things that I think people have become accustomed to throughout their lives in other industries. I think there's there's an openness to it. And we've we've not only been able to grow our membership well, but we've actually found that we are able to retain membership very well also. And so what we've found is that, for example, for people who are Oscar members who who what we call touch our products, use our mobile application, contact one of our care teams, we actually are able to retain those people at higher, much higher rates than industry averages for retention in the exchange market. So we believe we are bringing value to the market. We just want to get out there and have as many people uh, touch our products as possible. And, and we think they'll see a real difference. I love the fact that you guys are doing like the digital and the fact that you guys are able to retain the patient shows that you're doing something right, right? Just being a new health insurer in the market, offering something new. Did you say your your NPS score was a, was a positive or just were you just overgeneralizing in the healthcare industry for insurers or just saying, you know, how it's how it has been lacking? So I believe our most recent NPS was in the uh, mid 30s. So it is it's not only positive, but uh, not not quite, you know, where I think we would want to be in terms of other retail industries and whatnot, but but relative to the insurance industry, it's quite quite a striking difference. So setting those patient expectations, right? I mean, you're literally 
trying to please someone who you never met, how does Oscar go about setting those expectations, right? Giving their patients something to look forward to by not over-promising and offering something that they can actually deliver. Like, what would you say are some key points that you guys focus on in order to meet those expectations? You always want to start out by acknowledging some um, pieces that are a, a bit unique to health insurance. I think trying to meet consumer expectations by all means is is not unique to health insurance. But the, one of the interesting things that is a little bit different about it, it's the only type of insurance that you buy that you expect to use, mm-hmm. right? So if you, if you ever have to use your car insurance or your life insurance, something probably went wrong, right? <laughs> you weren't really open to have to do that. But even folks who consider themselves, you know, generally healthy at some point, probably expect that they'll pull out their, their health insurance card, whether it be, you know, for a wellness exam or getting vaccination, vaccination, um, whatever it might be. And I think the reason that it's important to, to call that out is that you're thinking about your car insurance or your life insurance. I'm guessing they do very little to try and engage with you throughout the year. And that's probably just fine with you. You have better ways to spend your time, right? But there really is an expectation, I think, when you're dealing with your health insurer that the company do its part in helping to promote the health and, and wellness of their members. You want some day-to-day value for the, you know, the money that you're paying to them seemingly endlessly, right? And so I think that's something that we try and focus on and have tried to focus on from the beginning. Namely, that if you can become a trusted first point of contact for your members, then we can help meet each member where they are in their healthcare journey. And that allows us to provide that more personalized experience in a way that's meaningful for them and in a way that they've become accustomed with other industries, right? And so I think there are a few keys to doing this well. First, I think it's important uh, to recognize that, you know, not all people engage in the same way. And so it's very popular these days. Everyone's got an app, right? And that's great. Your population is going to be diverse. And so you need to build diverse entry points. At Oscar, we're probably best known for our digital tools and our technology focus, our mobile application. More than 50% of our, our members do download. We also have a free integrated telemedicine offering, things like this. But we also invest in more personal connections through our concierge teams because we know that not everybody's going to want to engage necessarily through technology. So what, what these concierge teams are is they're integrated teams made up of customer service representatives, clinicians, social workers, even network specialists. And every member that we have is assigned to a dedicated team and members can reach them either by calling or or also by secure messaging, basically by texting them if they want to. So that when that member reaches out, they're routed to the same group of people, right? Every time. So over time, you're no longer calling Oscar, you're calling John or you're calling Tammy and and they're the same person who helped you last month. And so you begin to build that relationship and it feels like a very personalized care team. I think that's very important. Wow. The, the yeah. second thing, you've got to understand your membership. Doing that through the use of intelligent, I'm sorry, the intelligent use of data is, is important. And I think it's easy to get lost in data and start thinking about, you know, the hyper-targeted online ads and, and, and things like that, which can sometimes feel a little bit creepy, right? But I'm really just talking about listening to your members. 83% of our members here contacted their concierge teams at one point or another. And if you step back and think about that. That is a ton of data and feedback that we are getting from our membership. And so we bring that data every week to a cross-functional group to talk about where we are and are not meeting our members' needs so that we can kind of understand what we call member pain points. 
and rapidly iterate on solutions. And I think that what that results in is members really feeling like we're listening to them and trying hard to, to make things better. You've got to build trust. And so in, in my opinion, you do that by delivering value. And so, if, you know, if you call Oscar and you find it to be a huge waste of your time, you're never going to do that again. You're going to find other ways to, to spend your time. But if you call and we help solve a problem that matters to you, then you're going to begin turning to us as a trusted partner for all of your healthcare solutions, right? And that's not something that you accomplish in a single interaction, but it's more so the culmination of, of, of repeated actions over time. A really telling stat, I think, is that now 40% of our members have come to Oscar to help them figure out which doctor they should see. And that's a very, very personal decision. And they're coming to their concierge team to help them sort through that. And so we believe those types of things are signs that we're really beginning to, to build trust with, with consumers. And so I think those are the types of things that consumers, again, get every day across mm-hmm. different industries, but they should also, I think, begin to expect those from their health insurance company as well. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And Keith, I, I hope you, we got to look in to see if Oscar, Oscar has any business solutions because, you know, understand that people engage in different ways, really meeting them where they prefer offering free telemedicine, which is booming now. And then just understanding the memberships through analytics and having that own personalized care team is huge, right? Cause I would say even my own personal issues, I don't know who to call sometimes with my insurance, right? Besides the number on the car. But if I can call John or Debbie on my care team and they can just easily, simply explain to me what it is that I need to do if I'm covered or not. I think that's, that's a huge issue that you guys are solving right now within the health, health insurance arena. And it becomes empowering. Right. I think that there's an mm-hmm. education component and we talk a lot about consumerization in healthcare, and I, I'm a firm believer in it. I think it's a big deal and I think it's going to continue to evolve in a, in a positive way. We also talk a lot about low health literacy and the um, data and information gap that we have to close in order to make powerful healthcare consumers. This is really, I think, a first good step in that realm where we can we don't want to take over your healthcare decisions. We want to be that that supporting resource that can help empower you to become an intelligent healthcare consumer. As an employer, what is your approach to attract new members? Is it working with different businesses, different companies to provide services and, and gain members? What is your approach? It depends a little bit on the product line. Um, so as I mentioned, we sell on the individual small group and and Medicare Advantage lines. We are not in the large employer space at the moment. The vast majority of of insurance uh, in our country. Our um, CEO and and founder, Mario Schlosser, has long been an advocate that it is exactly that employer-based model that is sort of hampering the evolution to more intelligent healthcare consumerism. And we, we firmly believe that markets like the Affordable Care Act, the individual market, where consumers can really vote with their feet and can really demand value and really become the direct healthcare purchases as opposed to purchasing through HR, that that's really the key, I think, to, to making that, that seismic shift that I, I think we all want to happen in American healthcare. So that, that didn't really answer your question, but I wanted to at least give give that context. It does you know, answer my question. Because, you know, like you said, most members, most consumers, they are only familiar with healthcare in regards to their employer. And like I said, that's kind of the, the vast majority of of why people sign up for their particular insurance plan. And I think what you guys are offering is having different services and having a plan that works best for you versus 
what benefit it has for the HR company. I think it has a lot to say about the direction that you guys are doing as far as meeting the needs of your of your members. So that, that, that says a lot. Yeah, it's ultimately about competition. I think competition drives value. Mm-hmm. Right, at least that's our belief. We want a, a competitive marketplace, which we believe will both improve service and lower cost. And the way you know healthcare works at times in, in the United States today doesn't always have those incentives aligned. And so we tend to focus on consumerized markets, like I said, the individual market, the small group market. Medicare Advantage is highly consumerized, where we believe we can sell on value and that consumers will respond to that. Last night, you know, our president, he talked about his big victory for patients and basically the, the hospital transparency rule. So how, how does this play a role on Oscar and other insurance, right? So just, the, just passing that law, which as he claims is very big, I quote, this may be very well bigger than healthcare itself. What are your thoughts on that, Sean? And how do you see this going forward? I think it's very difficult to say. There are economic experts who are far smarter than me, who are mm-hmm. literally all over the map. Uh, and so I, I personally have had, had trouble getting a good read on this. And I think part of it, as best I can tell, is just that it's not that simple. <laughs> right? Like, unfortunately, that's a, that's a phrase you hear way too much in U.S. It's just not that simple. And so, you know, you, you talk about price transparency, but what price Mm-hmm. Right. There's the build charges, there's allowed amount, and then there's allowed amount for each different insurer and patient responsibility versus insurer responsibility. There's, it, it's just gotten so complicated. It's hard to say what it will mean big picture. I can tell you is that anything that improves just transparency in general and the sharing of data and numbers with the public and healthcare consumers mm-hmm. is a step in the right direction. So while it might or might not ultimately be as, as meaningful as um, various pundits have claimed. There's no question we are moving in the right direction as it comes to data and price transparency in America. And that's something that we've long supported and will continue to support at Oscar. I think the transparency will work and it allow members and consumers to better understand their healthcare. I remember I had to go to the ER a couple of years ago and just had a, a bite on my finger. And I think it was a spider bite or, or something, I recall. And prior to this, my previous healthcare-related injuries was when I was in the, uh, the military. And so I can go to the ER, go to whatever, and I was covered, didn't get a bill or anything else like that. So this was kind of my first experience outside of the military where I had to go to the hospital. And I received care and I received a, a bill from my insurance company also for the hospital but also for the, uh, the ER doctor. And I, as a, a, a lay person, not really too familiar with how this works, I always assume I would just get one bill. I figured if I go to the ER, I'm gonna get a bill from the hospital, but I didn't imagine getting two separate bills. And I think patients will look at that differently now if they have that price transparency. If it's not something that's emergent, if it's elective or something that can wait, they may look at different hospitals or different surgery centers or different ER centers to where they say, hey, if I go to this facility, how much will it cost me? So I don't know how the program will be rolled out, but I think it will shed some light on what the expectations are as far as what I'll be paying out of pocket. And it, it may differ, but at least you have some kind of sense as far as what you're paying if you go to a, uh, for an ER visit. So I think it may be beneficial. Some patients, I mean, 
that's part of the reasons why some of them decide to either go in another direction with the health insurer because they think, you know, they get to receive these bills just as you do, Keith, and they, they blame, automatically blame it on the insurance company, the health insurance company, I feel. And just because they don't have that simple understanding, right? So that that's a lot of where these retention rates are falling as well is, is just knowledge and education, right? They're not educated on the situation of the healthcare and how these bills are being processed and they aren't being well communicated with from their health insurance as you know, or their doctors. So I think that transparency will help, but I think of course it's going to take a way longer time than what we can expect. But I do think that the price, as you explained, Keith, is, is one of the reasons why patients either get confused and switch insurers or they, they just don't know. They're not aware. So I think the education part is, any health insurance that focuses on educating patients on simple terminology so that they can better understand their healthcare plan is it's it's key. You can't lose with that. Yeah. It can't be viewed as a step in the wrong direction. Is it starts to level the playing field. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean when when you go to a store or you're shopping for a car or you're doing anything, right? Like you have the information that you need to make a value decision, right? And and your mm-hmm. value decisions are going to be different than other people's value decisions. That's something that I don't think we've done a particularly good job of in in healthcare is help people understand their value decision and their value trade-offs. They just don't have enough information in order to be able to do that. And and frankly, it's not just price transparency. One of the things that I, you know, I mentioned that, that we work very hard at is, is helping to route people. So when you talk about quality, it's the same thing. It, it's often very subjective. There's no one definition of quality for everybody in healthcare. But I suspect that given the choice, you might be willing to pay a little extra for whatever definition of quality you define in a doctor or a facility. But you don't have that information either. Right. And so we really, you know, I think pricing is an easy one to pick on. But I think across the board in healthcare, we just need to move towards getting consumers the information that they need to make value decisions based on their own personal preferences. Yep, I agree. And I think uh, last week we had a topic that was based on patient reviews, right? And, and kind of that interaction on social media. I'm pretty sure that most companies, including health insurers and Oscar, would focus on, if a patient leaves, you'd rather a patient who complains than one that doesn't, right? Because getting that feedback is, is good for the business. It's good for the overall future of the other, other patients who are to come. But um, so when you guys are analyzing the data of the surveys, and you, I think you said you guys meet with a team to really discuss these patient pain points, what are some of the best sources to leverage this feedback? Whether is it surveys that you guys send out, social media, or, or just actually, you know, the patient call-ins? What, what are the best data points that you guys have been reviewing that you've received the most feedback on that you guys discuss at these roundtable discussions? So I would say yes. Right. I mean, it's all of the above. Yeah, I agree with that. You, know, you, you want to capture it where you can. Now, um, in, in mm-hmm. fairness, I mean, we just have a lot of interaction with our care teams, as I mentioned. And so mm-hmm. we've actually built a good deal of technology that just looks for keywords and scrapes certain ticket types so that we can aggregate what is literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of tickets that we that we accumulate over the years on, on different members in different markets. But we also have a very active and engaged social media team. We're out there on Twitter. We post quite a bit on LinkedIn, especially 
with some of the home confinement um, through COVID. We, you know, we're looking for for new ways to to sort of outreach people. We also send out surveys. We send out NPS surveys to understand how people are perceiving the product. We send out sort of product-specific surveys to understand how they're engaging with and experiencing certain aspects of our, our service offering, you know, something like utilization management, very unpopular. And so we'll send out you know, surveys to members about that. How can we make that better? Is, you know, what was the worst part about it? What was the best part about it? And we do it to providers as well. Often the experience that somebody has with a provider is a corollary to how someone feels about their insurance company. That might be the only engagement you have. Like, well, I went and saw this PCP and it was horrible, so I hate my insurance company. You know, so we, we need to recognize that, that happy providers also reflect, reflect, what, reflect well in our company. So all of the above, it's all important. I just think that we get the mass, the most massive amount of data from direct interactions with our members through our care teams. One of the things you know, I kind of touched upon about Marcus being a, a millennial and Marcus has shared with me that you're going to be on a podcast. There's a question that I had and I wanted to um, present this to you. Why is there a different insurance for different insurance for healthcare, dental, and vision? And I was, I was always curious about that. So I wasn't sure if you can shed some light on that for me. Excellent question. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think I, I may disappoint you. I, I suspect there's some historical context there that I unfortunately am, am not privy to. I can tell you that when it's done well, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, so, for example, in our Medicare Advantage plan, we offer dental and vision as well as medical, as well as prescription across the board for, for those uh, senior members who are part of our Medicare Advantage plan. But in most of the commercial business, I, you know, I honestly don't know. My, my best guess would be that it might have something to do again with kind of the way employer-based has evolved, but I don't know if that's if that's the real reason or not. I, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm as as ignorant as as others. So if you find out the answer, please let me know as well. I appreciate your answer, and that's kind of the, the basis of our platform because these are the things that people say. You know, we have these discussions like, "Huh, I'm curious why it it this way." You know, Marx and I were talking, and it was just a topic of conversation. Like, yeah, and the reason why it came about because. Marcus being a, uh, a millennial is he wants a one-stop shop. He wants to go and say, hey, I go to my doctor today. I'm going to get a full tune-up. I'm going to get my eyes checked. I'm going to get my dental exams <laughs> and, 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 and everything all in, all, in one, all in one stop. I'm like, Marcus, it cannot work that way. As, as providers and doctors, um, they're mainly independent. As a millennial, we appreciate you guys. But the Gen X, we've had this for a long time and we know what we're doing. So. <laughs> right, and, right. And it, it kinda, it, the question kind of came from Marcus's one-stop shop option as a millennial. So, yeah. Well, you know, I think it goes back to, to what we were talking about, though, right? Like, there, there will always be generational differences between the expectations mm -hmm. around healthcare. And Absolutely. the fact that our system can't meet those varied expectations like I think you're pointing out a fundamental problem with our system. Not that I have the, the answer or even a, a possible solution, but I think highlighting those types of gaps and differences are, are exactly what we need to do as a first step in order to build meaningful long-term solutions. I agree. And there's nothing wrong because as a millennial, I mean, we want it all nowadays. And I, I, <laughs> I feel like that it may be an issue. Maybe there's just an issue with the services going on out there. Excuse my uh, millennial needs, right? But I'm like, man, when I go sign up for a cable service or my car insurance, 
they, they sometimes they give you little gifts, right? So Sean, do you ever think it will come to the point where let's say if I sign up with Oscar that they'll say, Hey, if you stay with Oscar for, you know, this amount, thanks for being this value customer with this comes, Hey, you get a free Alexa dot. And with that, I can, you know, say Alexa, Hey, what's my healthcare. And then that kind of data can be transmission. I'm not saying that you guys are doing this now, but I think that would be a huge future win. It, I mean, it, it, is it even legal? Right. But that's the kind of things millennials want. And I think it, it may be asking for too much, but I can see that as a way is like retaining a type of patient, right? If, if, if I have the choice of going with Oscar or Blue Cross Blue Shield and Oscar has given me Fitbit for as long as I'm an Oscar customer and that data is being transmission, why would I go with Blue Cross Blue Shield? You know what I mean? Do you, do you see that happening in the future, Sean? Is that something that, that, that's foreseeable? Yeah, I think there's no question. And I think we're, we're already um, beginning to see it in, in, to, to some degree. Now, as, as you hi- highlighted, there are some legal restrictions, but, but you are seeing typically in the form of, of what we call, you know, wellness packages. Various companies are offering these types of, uh, of services. So, you know, I'll say yes, but within the restrictions that, that are put in place by the government. My opinion on this is that what's important is to ensure that it's, it's not a bribe, right? That, that, that there's a way of driving real value with it. And so I think thus far, largely what you've seen is exactly what you described, is they're largely being used as sales tools. Now, I don't necessarily think driving value and using something as a sales tool have to be mutually exclusive. I think as, as technology and research evolve, I think there are going to be increasing use cases for how these types of devices can be leveraged in a way that drives improved health outcomes for consumers. And that ultimately is what I believe we should be aiming for as health insurers. And, and I'll actually give you a, an interesting anecdote from Oscar's annals here. Early on, we've always had a step tracking program. And basically, we give you a, a goal of the number of steps to take in a day. You take it, you sync it into the application. And if you meet it, we give you a dollar to spend on Amazon. So you can cash that out over time and, and up to $100 a year. That's one of our, our wellness packages. We've had it for, for a long, long time. In the early days, we did give you a wearable, right? Put it on the wrist. It would sync mm-hmm. to the app, and that's how you did your apps or your, your, your step tracking. Over time, what we found, and I think early on, to your point, people did see, wow, if I go with Oscar, I get, I get a wearable. That's cool. But over time, what we actually saw is the wearable ceased to be the value, and the tracking program became the value. So what we heard increasingly from feedback from our members is, hey, you know, that's all well and good, but I've got an Apple Watch. Why can't I just use that? Or I've got mm-hmm. a, this other wearable. Can I just use that to keep track of my steps? And so what we realized over time is that the wearable itself, the device, so to speak, was really just a commodity. And what the value was, was the program around it. And, and, and so I think that that is where we need to head with these types of things. I think giving people a, a, an echo as a bribe is, is, is not really going to move the needle in healthcare. But I think if we can continue to push the envelope on technology and build programs and wellness and, and these types of things that are going to drive value for, for different members along wherever they are in their health journey, then I absolutely believe that will be a value add. That is something that not only Oscar, but others will continue to explore. All of our listeners tuned in right now. Excellent, excellent excellent explanation sean i really appreciate that and you, you really drove home on that point as as far as the program because you know as you're just mentioning that i'm thinking like shit 
Yeah, I, I would prefer to use my Apple Watch over a Fitbit. And then it, it, it kind of feels like now you're being forced to choose. But I think what you said exactly as you explained it, well said. Thank you. As, as, a, as a millennial, right? Thank you for explaining that to me. Creating that value. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Before we close out, I would like to just say, Sean, thanks for joining us on the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you being a guest here on today and just really speaking to our audience about health insurance, the future of health insurance, and really kind of setting the bar of expectations of how patients should see, you know, when they, when they choose a health insurance like Oscar, right? Really just laying out what you guys are doing differently as far as meeting their expectations. So thank you very much, Sean. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I want to thank you again for, for giving me the opportunity to come on and, um, and, and chat with you all. I think that what you all are doing is, is important work, and I'm very happy to be able to support it in, in whatever way I can. I'm not sure Marcus shared with you is, you know, kind of our, you know, our, our background is both veterans and have experience in, in healthcare. And we all hear about podcasts, about business, finance, and, and sports and everything else, but we want to do something a, a little bit different. And some of the topics of everyday life, healthcare is in everyday, whether personally with me waking up with knee pain or just dealing with a loved one that may be dealing with something as well. So healthcare is a topic that that is a continued conversation. So we're trying to do these things to kind of educate and answer a lay person's questions because... So many things, you know, a person, a member just doesn't know, but they go along with it because they feel like that's what they have to do. So again, I really want to thank, you know, thank you for your time and, you know, speaking with us. And for all our listeners out there, you can, you know, see what see what's going on at Oscar on all their social platforms at Oscar Health. And you can also go check out the website at www.hioscar.com, H-I-O-S-C-A-R.com. Thanks again. And um, this is the MedVets. And see you again next week. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. All right, thanks.